Reading and I've been feeding upon the precious word of God. Marvelous the story, so full of glory. It tells the path that Jesus trod. He was man's deliverer, a sin forgiver, and every problem understood. Everywhere he went, my Lord was doing good. Everywhere he went, he was doing good. Gave the attitudes, helped the multitudes everywhere he could. When the crippled sought him, they started walking. The dumb were talking like they should. Everywhere he went, my Lord was doing good. Jesus opened blind eyes. He heard the faint cries. He raised the dead and calmed the sea. Jesus, mighty helper, he cleansed the leper and set the captive spirit free. Though the world denied him and crucified him, the Lord abides with us for a, and his mighty power is just the same today. Everywhere he went, he was doing good, gave the attitudes, helped the multitudes. Him. They started walking, the dumb were talking like they should. Everywhere he went, my Lord was doing good. Everywhere he went, he was doing good. Gave the attitudes, helped the multitudes, everywhere he could. When the crippled sought him, they started walking. The dumb were talking like they should. Everywhere he went, my Lord was doing Change is hard, amen? I'm not really a big fan of change myself. Um, I'm re I feel really hot, so not like temperature-wise, but mic-wise, so if we can bring me down. Um, I know I will get excited at some point, because um, I generally do. But I don't really like change. Uh, I eat the same breakfast every day, two pieces of toast with butter. Um, of course, a non-dairy fake butter. Um, two eggs and a banana, a cup of coffee. Every day, same thing. I don't really like change. And um, as I was sitting there, I mean, if you go in my office, everything has a place. If you go, like, I just don't like change. Um, and so as I was sitting there watching the video, I just thought, what? I don't like change. <laughs> but um, so the Lord calls us to change. He calls us to move where he's moving. Um, and so for a moment, I'm going to ignore the elephant in the room that this is our last Sunday here. Um, and we're going to continue through our series, um, Trust the Story. We're in part 38. And I believe it fits well. It's been interesting. I was actually just talking to someone last night. Um, I was here finishing um, some things on the computer and they just kind of stopped in to walk through and we talked about how interesting it's been that even though this series, Trust the Story, that we've done this year has really been about understanding the Bible as a story, as a complete book, how many times it's actually fit with what's happening in our culture right now. Even though um, I haven't chosen to preach towards what's happening in our culture right now the way that many others have, and there's not a right or wrong, um, we just felt like this year was, or excuse me, last year, 2020, we were going to emphasize the Bible. 
Um, and I wanted to emphasize the Bible as a complete book, a story, a revelation of who God is, and then knowing how to apply it to our lives. And we've used the book, The Untold Story by Frank Viola, to try to give us context. We've put resources on Slack, the Bible Project, other videos, other things. Some of you have done all of it. Some of you have done none of it. Um, my goal in this series was to help us see that maybe we've treated the Bible haphazardly, lazily, where we just kind of go to it, open up, pick a scripture out, just apply it to our situation, however we want to apply it, however it's best suits me and my desires and what I think the Lord is saying. <clears throat> and that's not the way scripture was ever meant. Scripture was meant to be communal. It was a book that was given to a group of people. It, well, it actually wasn't a book given to them, but the letters were written to churches, except for maybe just a couple that were written to individual people um, in the New Testament. The Old Testament was given to the entire Jewish community, and they were to read it together, study it together, uh, dissect it together, wrestle with it together, apply it together, and it was supposed to be communal. But in America, we're a, an individualistic culture. And so we just assume that we serve an individualistic God. God's a communal God. And I've become more and more concerned with the American church because I don't think we realize that as the church, worldwide church, Americans are not the majority. But we act like we are. We act like the American gospel is the right gospel with no thought to what's happening in other parts of the world and that this is a bigger story than just America. America's what, 200 years old? A little bit? 250? He was the same from before the beginning and he will be the same when America ceases to exist. And one day it will because all nations will cease to exist and there'll be the kingdom. And that'll be it. And so that's where we're, that's what we've been trying to do, put it into that context. And Today we're going to look at 2 Peter. In two weeks, we're going to look at the book of Jude, because I'm going to finish up something that I'm going to start today, next week, um, our first day at the Fine Arts Center. And then the last week of January, we're going to do the book of Revelation, and I promise you I won't do it justice. Many of you who have been waiting for Revelation are going to be severely disappointed by what I share on that Sunday, because you just can't do justice to Revelation um, in 35 minutes. It just doesn't happen. I mean, you can't even do it in like three hours. <laughs> so it's just not going to happen. But the question I want us to ponder as we're on part 38 of Trust the Story is, do we trust the story? Do we trust that before the foundation of the earth, Jesus was crucified? Before the foundation of the earth, you and I were chosen. That God has something right now in store and it, it can't be stopped. It can't be changed. My, I promise you, I never visited with, with Ginny, with Christina, with Heather, with Stan for the songs he chose, with Mercedes even for the songs she picked. <laughs> but I was laughing in my head because so much of this ties together. Um, Romans chapter 8. What should we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Do we live like that? Do we live like... I mean, problems are going to come. Trials are going to come. I know that 2020 was way more uncertain than most of us expected. But if God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing. Nothing can be against us. He who did not spare his own son, remember he crucified him before the foundation of the earth, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And those all things we've talked about is the Holy Spirit who lives in us. God himself. Not the third part of the Trinity in the terms of, well, the lesser God lives in us. He is God. He is fully God. And He lives in those who put faith in Christ. He lives in us. Do we live like it? Because in all these things, we are more, not just conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Okay, the word conqueror didn't even do justice to it. We had to be more than conquerors. Through Him who loved us. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, nor Republicans, nor Democrats, nor President Trump, nor President Biden, nor nothing 
nor masks or no masks, no mandates or no mandates. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gospel is going forward. Doesn't matter. The kingdom is come. It's happened. It's done. It's here. I mean, I know one day it's going to be more sight and more visible and every knee will bow on that day. But we should start living like that's true. Knowing our identity in Christ as sons and daughters, I believe, is vital to acting like it. One of the first series that I wanted to do in 2020, in fact, I titled this message today, Remember Who You Are. Remember who you are. I mean, if you've seen The Lion King, every time I watch that movie, I haven't seen it a lot, but I love that part because Simba, because of his guilt, because of his shame, because of his apathy, Hakuna Matata, whatever happens, happens. No, 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 no. We have been called to be vigilant and purposeful and de- deliberate in our actions. Not just whatever happens, happens. No, 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 no. We have a calling as sons and daughters of God and how we are to live in this earth. So we have to remember who we are. The first series I wanted to do in 2021 which will start in February, had, I wanted it to be about identity. And over Christmas, I read a book that hasn't even been released yet, long story, but it's called Redefined. And it's all about the labels that we put on ourselves, the labels that other people put on us, and reminding us of who we are. We are not those labels that people put on us or that we put on ourselves. We are who the book says we are. We are sons and daughters of God, and we are going to reject those labels, and we are going to redefine who we are according to the Word. And I'm super excited. I've read the book twice already. I mean, I was in quarantine for 10 days over Christmas, so thankfully I had a good book to read. Um, And we're going to start that in February, and I'm going to talk more about that next week. But I want to look at Peter, and I want to... Peter, in the the first chapter of the book, tells us how we should live in Christ as sons and daughters. We're going to come back to chapter 1 later. Because chapter 2, he takes chapter 1 and he contrasts that with the false teachers. Now, nobody ever sets out to be a false teacher. I think false teachers start out good, but they become apathetic, they become lazy, they become indifferent, they want to indulge in the flesh, and so we twist this book to give us what our desires want. Now, sometimes those desires are overtly sinful, sexual, um, lying, greed, embezzlement, those types of like overtly sinful things. But sometimes they're just like good religious things. And we can twist this book to give us what we want or to create a God in our own image that is not the God of this book, but more the God of our own desires, even if those are like cultural religious desires. For example, America exists so that everyone can pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You will not find the pursuit of happiness in this book. But yet many of us live our lives like all of us should be able to pursue happiness. Nope. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. And we actually sometimes pursue a path that's not happy at all. Laying down our lives. Laying down our rights. Giving up our lives. But somehow the American culture has twisted this book to make it fit the pursuit of happiness. I'm not, I don't have anything against people being happy. In fact, be happy. But be happy even if your circumstances stink. Because if you can't be, you don't know the God of this book. Because we're not living as sons and daughters. We're living as American Christians. And I don't have anything against... Um, Christianity and America going together, I just don't want Christianity to be all American. Does that make sense? There are Christianity isn't just America. It's bigger than that. And God can use our country, but he can use any country that he needs or wants. And so if America ceased to exist tomorrow, one thing I know for certain is the kingdom wouldn't stop. I don't know what it would look like for me and you, but I do know this, he is with us. And I'm not going to complain about it, I'm going to look for wood to throw in the bitter water. And I'm going to ask God which stick to throw. Okay? Not at people. At the water. Okay? So, (laughs) there you go. So, these false teachers, and I really wanted to just go to chapter 1, but I I felt like it would be a disservice to not do 2 Peter the way we've done the other books. So, here we go. 
There are also false prophets among the people, and there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. By the way, swift destruction doesn't mean American instant, okay? Sometimes swift is like a long time in human mindset. Many will follow their depraved conduct, their depraved conduct, and they will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Those are important phrases. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories, made-up stories, lies. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. But these people blaspheme matters they do not understand. They're like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like animals, they too will perish. Um, when he talks about false prophets and false teaching, it doesn't necessarily just refer to what's inaccurate, especially in the area of prophecy. Um, we're learning right now that um, sometimes prophecy that doesn't actually isn't actually accurate doesn't make someone a false prophet. When the scripture calls someone a false prophet, it's because the character, the fruit of their life is bad. Okay, depraved conduct. That's, that's what makes a false prophet. Not that they prophesied something and uh, it didn't happen. How they respond when it didn't happen maybe matters. Whether there's humility or arrogance, that might be a sign of um, the depraved conduct. But they also will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Now, when it comes to false teaching, that's a little different. Because the teaching has to line up against the nature of God. It does not mean... That I have a scripture to back it up. Because I let me tell you something. Every false teaching that is being perpetrated in our country right now has a scripture to back it up. That's why I've been hammering. We trust the story. We know the book from beginning to end. We know the timeline. We know how the parts fit together. Because I promise you, I could do it too. I could twist this book to make it mean anything I want it to mean to fit my own desires. To make me right and that person wrong. And it's so not about one being right and the other being wrong. At all. We've made it about that. So when it comes to these false teachers and false prophets, the important thing to look at is the fruit of their lives. And fruit should never be inspected from a distance. It should always be inspected up close. Okay, because what we love to do in our culture of social media is inspect people's fruit from far away. And you do not get a, a proper perspective of people from far away. So whether it's on social media or whether it's in this room, do not go into fruit inspection unless you get involved in someone's life and you love them and serve them and have mercy on them and grace on them. And then you are ready to help them with the fruit of their lives but not from a distance. And we have become stone-throwing and nitpicky in our culture, and we are just bashing people. We are being labelers, and we are going to redefine that in February, but we're not there yet. So they are those types of people. Continuing in the chapter, they promise freedom, but they themselves are slave of, slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Get that? If we have escaped the corruption of this world, knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and again are entangled in it and overcome, they're worse than they were at the beginning. It would have been better to not know the way of righteousness than to know it and turn their backs. So whatever we're mastered by, fear of man, guilt, shame, worry, fear, greed, pursuit of happiness, lust, all of them, whatever masters us, and if, we're over, if we give in to it, we're overcome by it. That's what leads us away from the truth. That's what these false teachers are doing. They're just giving in to their desires. We're going to come back to chapter 1 in a minute. Then he goes into third, the third chapter. So these false teachers contrasted with who we should be in chapter 1. And then he says this. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand, in the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffing and following their own evil desires. That means don't freak out when scoffers come, because they're coming. 
they will say, where is this coming he promised? And then they're just going to live however they want. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. So I'm guessing 250 years is not much. Quarter of a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So what Peter has just done is he's given the letters that they've written. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. Um, Acts, Romans, First and Second Corinthians. He's given them the same authority as the Old Testament, the prophets. And in chapter 1, he actually says the reason he can do that is because they were eyewitnesses of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Jesus got, you know, really shiny. And then the voice from the cloud said, this is my son. Listen to him. Okay? So Peter says, the stuff we're telling you in the New Testament is as valid as the Old Testament. Now, we tend to look at the New Testament as more valid than the Old Okay, so we've already flipped the script. But both are equally important to understanding the story God has been telling from the beginning. So we have to trust the story in the face of these scoffers who will come. I couldn't resist sharing this today when I saw that this week. Because we just talked about 2 Timothy last week. Okay, that moment American evangelicals realized Paul was serious when he said, Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Peter's like, it's going to get rough. Be okay. Sober, vigilant. You're gonna, some days you're going to feel on the inside, but we're going to act deliberately, soberly, mercifully, graciously, kindly. We're going to go about doing good because that's what he did. No matter how I feel in here, this is how I'm going to act out here. And that's what chapter 1 is all about. But 2 Peter, the end of it. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort, we're going to hear that again, to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Make every effort, changing the way we think, changing the way we act, changing the way we live. Peter is summing up the letter by saying, you've got to grow, you've got to make every effort, you've got to lean into this thing, because it's not, you're not just going to apathetically say the sinner's prayer and one day arrive in heaven. That's a false gospel, and we have been preaching it for years. You just say the sinner's prayer, and then you just try to do your best, and you just, you know, live life however you want for yourself. No, you lay your life down. You surrender to Him. You recognize you can't do anything to be made right with God, but He did it for you. You take that, that deal, that trade, and you give Him your life. And you trust the story. Even if for a moment you come to a spring and it's bitter and you're like, I didn't know this is what I signed up for. Trust the story. We ran out of food. Trust the story. The Egyptians are bar barreling down on us. Trust the story. Over and over, when you walk through the waters, you won't be drowned. It didn't say they wouldn't come up to here. It didn't even say they wouldn't come up to here, so you have to keep your mouth closed. That might be good for us. <laughs> but <when laughs> Stop saying things like that. <laughs> you might walk through fire, but you will not be burned. Now, that does not mean you won't die physically. Some of us may give our lives for this. This. Okay? Nothing else for that. We may give our lives, and that's okay, because if God is for us, who can be against us? What he has given me is secure. Jesus himself told us not to cling even to our earthly relationships. I love my family. I do. I love them with everything in me. In fact, there's if just like most of you, I'm fine if you do stuff to me, but if you touch me, my wife, or my kids, mm, 
it's harder to keep quiet in that moment because you just like don't mess with them. And so but even those relationships, Jesus says, don't hold them too tightly, because if you do, it will be a misplaced affection. Now, that doesn't mean mistreat them. It just means that someday they might be given up for the kingdom. And we have to understand this is not just uh, I mean, we've lived like Kevin McAllister thinking, I know terrible times are coming in the last days and all over the world. For the last 250 years, all over the world, every single year, more people are martyred for the kingdom than the year before. It keeps growing. But we've lived here in the American bubble thinking, we're just going to coast into heaven. I don't have to live any different. I don't have to make effort. I don't have to, you know, try hard. I can do whatever. There's grace. Oh, there is grace. And let's talk about it now in 1 Peter. You've all been waiting for First Peter chapter, or 2 Peter chapter 1. Chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Remember this, you're in this room today because of him, not because of us or yourself. Okay, the only reason <coughs> any of us, <coughs> excuse me, the only reason any of us has faith in him is because he reached out to us first, period. Okay, so I know we had to respond to him, but we wouldn't have even been able to. And so that's important to remember, because if we don't keep that in the forefront of our minds, it will cause us to mistreat people out there who haven't chosen yet. And we'll start thinking we're better than them. Okay, so or sometimes the people in the pew with us, we start thinking we're better than them because they're not living up to the standard that you and I are living up to. Then just like Timothy, I love this grace and peace. Be yours in abundance. Abundance. Peace in abundance. Our, is our, our, mar, are our lives right now marked by peace in abundance? Because these people, remember, are living in a time worse than what we're seeing in 2020. And Peter's telling them, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So maybe... The reason that we're not in grace and peace and abundance is we lack knowledge of God. I mean, all of us have been introduced to God, but do we know him? Do we know him? Not do I have a devotional quiet time. Do I know him? Do I live with him? Do I constantly speak to him? When I'm in trouble, do I grumble and complain about the bitter water or do I cry out? Because I know where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. So I put my eyes up there. So Peter says, his divine power, again, the Holy Spirit is the divine power, okay? His divine power, Holy Spirit in us, has given us everything we need for a godly life. That's pretty cool. Everything I need for, and I know what you're thinking. Then why don't I see it? I mean, why don't I see it in my own life? Why do I keep struggling with these same old, same olds? And why don't I see it in the lives of other people? We'll get there. But his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life, life through our knowledge of him. Again, the mind is so important to know that this is finished. Through, the, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Again. He's done it. It's out of his glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. You get a new nature. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. Not one day, two day. The moment you put faith in Christ, you get a new nature. The Holy Spirit lives in us. That divine nature gives us everything we need for life and godliness and to escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And I know some of us are like, um, well, when will I stop being so proud? Oh, when, when will I stop seeking the approval of others? When will I, 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 I be able to forgive? Why do I find it so hard to forgive? When will I stop living in like discontent and self-pity? When will I stop struggling with lust? When will I, when, when, and we sometimes get so overwhelmed, we get defeated, we get discouraged in those moments. We remind ourselves we are a finished work, done. 
in Christ Jesus, we are sons and daughters of God. Nothing we do ever adds to our identity in Christ. However, the other side of that, sometimes we want to let ourselves off the hook and be like, well, you know, I know I have a hard time forgiving, but there's grace. I mean, I know I struggle with lust, but hey, we all have needs. That's just as much an error as the other side. And we need to remind ourselves of this point. We have to make every effort to add these qualities that we need to add to our lives. The problem is, if we read verses 5 through 7, before we read verses 1 through 4, we start thinking, all I got to do is just, you know, I just got to try harder. I just got to have willpower. It's not about your willpower. It's about your knowledge of God. So when you're struggling with something, you don't need more willpower. You need better connection. I mean, I love accountability. Sometimes we need that too. That helps us connect to Him. But if the accountability is just to help you, you know, have better willpower, you're going to fail. Our will, I mean, He is the author and the finisher of our faith. This is so important. And that, does, that means we don't get discouraged and give up and just give in to the sin, but it also means we don't become apathetic about the sin. We press in because we're already a finished work. Remember who you are. Parents, when your kids misbehave, don't call them names. You're, you're a cheater. You're a liar. No, 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 no. If they have faith in Christ, they are a son and daughter of God. Remind them, Lying is not who you are. We tell the truth. Cheating is not what we do. We're honest. We're full of integrity, even when no one watches. Remind them who they are. Now, if they have not made Christ Lord of their lives, well, then remind them to become sons and daughters of God and live in that place, and the Spirit gives us power to live it out. Don't give in to the flesh. Live it out. So Peter tells us this in verse 5. So, for this very reason, make every effort. Did you remember that from chapter 3? He said it again. To add to your faith. Oh, it's all done for me. It's all done. Yes, faith. He's with me. He's before me. He's beside me. He's all around me. He's made a way. He's made me righteous. He's put me. But add to that goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, mutual or brotherly affection. To mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you catching this? Behavior and mind go hand in hand. You change your mindset, it'll change your thinking. But if you let your actions go, it'll also go backwards and change your thinking. You will become unproductive and you will become ineffective in your knowledge of God. We need both. We need to remind ourselves who we are and we need to change the way we're behaving. But if we don't, the Bible says we're nearsighted and blind. In other words, we're living for the moment. We're living for our pleasures. We're living for right now. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. You have a calling as sons and daughters. Your calling is not to exist, to not just hang on till Jesus comes. Your calling is not just to work that nine to five job and just make a living and come home and just, you know, put your feet up and watch Netflix. That is not our calling. We are called to advance the kingdom. We are called to break bondages. We are called to bring deliverance. Not to call the pastor to come and pray for your friend to be delivered. You lay hands on them and bring deliverance. And I don't care if you have to do it a thousand times. Because that's our commission. But, oh, Pastor Tom, why don't I live in that? Well, are we making every effort to add these things to our faith? I mean, if our faith isn't right, that foundation that he's done the work, I don't know what to tell you because you're just going to be trapped in this cycle of defeat and shame and guilt. you got to get the faith part right. But then you have to start making every effort to add these things to our lives. Let's look at what he says. Make every effort. He says it twice in chapter 1, and he says it once in chapter 3. So I think he's serious about this effort thing. He tells us to add to our faith goodness. Goodness. Just goodness. 
be good. Jesus went around doing good. It doesn't say do good to the people that deserve it. In fact, Jesus said, do good to those who hate you. When people interact with us, do they get a good taste in their mouth? What about the people that are angry and frustrated? And who knows, maybe they're angry and frustrated because they're trapped in this cycle of guilt and shame. Or maybe they're just tired. We don't usually like to give people the benefit of the doubt. But we're going to start doing that because our God is good. Be a good worker at your job. Be a good citizen in our country. Be a good father, a mother, a teacher, a student, a, a child. Be good. Be a good sibling. Be good to one another. Peter says, add to your goodness knowledge. Knowledge. Knowledge of his word. Knowledge of his nature. Knowledge of his will. You, you've got to study. You've got to grow. If your Bible reading is the same as it's been for 20 years, if your study of the scripture is the, it's not growing, you're not in the book more, you're not studying different viewpoints, different ideas, different concepts within the body of Christ, with people we trust, you're not growing. It's just the same thing you're rehashing. Some people believe, oh, we just need, we, we know everything we need to know. You don't know everything you need to know. There's not one of us in the body of Christ that knows everything. We need one another in the body of Christ. I believe God doesn't even reveal everything to each individual member because he's forcing us to be connected. And some things that you or I need to learn only are going to come as we're connected to one another. I can back it up with scripture and I think I can back it up with the whole book, not just a part of the book. So we add to our goodness knowledge. We have to have knowledge. We also have to add to that knowledge Self-control. <laughs> this is so easy. Self Not easy to do, sorry. <laughs> not easy to do, but it means you do this, not what this is. Whatever your desire is, if it contradicts this, you go with this. Whatever your emotions are, go with this. And if your emotions are pounding you, you're, you're a failure, you're a loser, you're... You are not a failure, and you are not a loser. You have been bought with a price. And please, be careful the words you speak about any person with blood in their veins. Because they also were bought with a price. And there is not a human being on this planet that does not deserve honor and dignity from us. Because they were bought with the blood of Christ. Oh, I just wish I could pull the plug on all social media right now. You think going to a new platform is going to change anything? No, it's not. We're fooling ourselves. It, we've got to exercise self-control. I don't care what other people are doing. We, full, we exercise self-control. Mastery over our actions. Yeah, we're going to fail. Yeah, we're going to make mistakes. Don't label the people that fail. This isn't about labeling, well, that, it's that person over there. No. Stop labeling. That's self-control also. Give each other grace and mercy because that's what God gave us. And there's not a person on this planet that needs more grace and mercy than you and I. We all need equal amounts because none of us can measure up. So to our self-control, we had to add perseverance. That means we just refuse to quit. We're going to refuse to give in to apathy. We're going to refuse to give in to frustration. We are just going to flat out keep showing up. We're going to finish the race that Paul told us in 2 Timothy. I wonder how many boring days of life it takes to get one breakthrough. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to pray a thousand times for one testimony, one breakthrough? Praise God for the testimony and the breakthrough. It didn't come easy. And it came with a price. But we live in this insta-culture. If I don't get it today, I'm, I'm, I'm ticked. Wow, a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. So if you're praying and the Lord's like, tomorrow, <laughs> I'm going to do this. Be careful that he really means tomorrow. Because <laughs> he might mean a thousand years. I don't know. 
But that's why we grow in our knowledge of him, because sometimes we get off. And that's why false prophecy is not just inaccurate. Sometimes you've just heard wrong. It's okay. We give grace to each other. So we grow (coughs) not only in our perseverance, but also in our godliness, just like being good. We grow in who God is. He is merciful. He is kind. He is just. He is righteous. He's hospitable. How many of us are growing in our hospitality? Because our God is hospitable. He tells us in the New Testament, be hospitable. We grow in our mutual affection. Now, I want you to listen to this. I'm almost done, I promise. Affection is cultivated. Because a lot of times in America, we leave churches because we, I just didn't connect with anybody. I just, you know, I I just felt like I just didn't fit. Or I felt, we we don't realize how much our affections are cultivated. And if we walk into a church every week, and we focus on the negative things we know about all the people in the room, and we focus on the fact that no one's talking to me, and we focus on all the negative things, guess what our affections will be? Negative. If we go into a room and we look for positive things in people, if we look for, well, no one's talking to me, I'm going to go, but, well, I'm just not, I'm just quiet. I need someone to come to me. False. You have a new nature in Christ Jesus. You can walk up to someone because you have divine power to walk up to someone and have a conversation. It's going to be hard, and you might look a little weird, or you might say things stupid. I say stupid things all the time, and I walk away thinking, could I have said that any stupider? But it's okay, because we are a church that's going to give grace and mercy. And so that's what we, we cultivate this mutual affection. In the last days, this needs to be cultivated. Hebrews warns us, keep joining together, because in the last days, you're going to need each other. We're about to leave a building, <clears throat> okay? And that's the thing. You can come to this building every week, and we can have the illusion that we're connected because, hey, we, we have a building that ties us together. We're going to have to work even harder now to really cultivate connection and mutual affection. And so maybe that's good because we're going to really have to lean into one another. Well, we won't have mailboxes. We won't have a place maybe to gather sometimes. That's going to be okay because it's going to force us to really be connected. I'm not saying we were not connected, but sometimes this stuff can give us the illusion that we're serving God because we go to church, because I, and yet we're living for ourselves six days out of the week, but hey, I give them an hour and a half on Sunday morning. That's an illusion. It's a fantasy. And we don't want to live in that. We want to press in to mutual affection. And the last one, we want to press into love. Love. Love means I do it no matter what my affections are. I lay down my life for others. That's the scripture. Jesus says it in John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this. And he lay down his life for someone. So I don't care how I feel about someone. I could be totally disgusted by someone's behavior. And I still have to love. Because I have a divine nature that is love. Now, I don't want to just, well, I love them, but I don't like them. No, 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 no. Because we're going to cultivate mutual affection, too. Okay? So it's not one or the other. It's both and. And it's going to be hard, but thank God we have a divine nature to be able to do it. And thank God we're going to be willing to go first because we're going to make every effort. So when I feel lonely, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a friend. I'm going to do something. I'm not just going to sit and wait for something to be done for me because I have been given a divine nature and a calling to go and do. I don't have to sit in self-pity and worry and fear and guilt and shame. I get to go do. I've been given a divine nature. Don't worry, we're going to talk about this for three months, and I'm going to convince you when we get there. Some of you look convinced. Some of you not so much. So Peter says this. I will always remind you of these things even though you know them, and you are firmly established in the truth that you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. I don't know if I want him to make that clear to me or not. It's still up in the air. Um, I don't know if I want to know when my time of departure is coming. I will make every effort to see that after my departure, 
you will always be able to remember all these things. He's like, I'm putting this in writing, and I'm going to tell you every day, because when I leave, I want my voice to just be stuck in your head, reminding you of who you are. Who you are. Who He has made you, and who we need to act like because of the divine nature that He has given to us. Remember who you are. Sons and daughters of God. Let's live like it, as Peter says, in increasing measure. Increasing measure. Okay, the Bible says in John chapter 15, if you bear fruit at all, sometimes we're hard on people because they don't bear enough fruit. That person doesn't bear enough fruit. They don't bear the right kind of fruit. But how many of you know, the Bible says if they bear any fruit at all, the gardener comes along and he prunes them so they can be even more fruitful. And unfortunately, the church has a track record of not looking at the fruit that's being born, but looking at the fruit that hasn't shown up yet. But we are not going to be like that. Restoration Church is not going to be these nitpicky fruit inspectors. We're going to see the good, and we're going to help prune. We're going to help encourage. Hey, the Father's pruning. Look, I see where He's pruning you. Oh, I see what He's doing in your life. Praise God. Well, there's like 17 things you could point out they're doing wrong. (laughs) But did you see that? Did you see that one? Because the way to get negative stuff out of our life is to grow the positive. And some of us think if we just keep harping on the negative, that does create shame and guilt and condemnation. I mean, I know there's a time for tough love, but we just like to go there first. But we're going to encourage one another, remember who you are. Live like it. Keep adding to your faith goodness. Keep Keep adding to your faith goodness. Keep adding to your goodness knowledge. Keep adding to your knowledge self-control. Keep adding to your self-control perseverance. Keep adding to your perseverance godliness. Keep adding to your godliness mutual affection. Keep adding to that mutual affection love. Keep doing it. It's It's working. It's working. Keep doing it. If God is for us, who can be against us? And if God is for us, let's be for us too. If God is for your neighbor, you be for them too. If God is for your mom and dad, you be for them too. If God is for your spouse, you be for them. If God is for your enemy, and he is, you be for him too. Love them. As imitators of God, be just like him. So Father, I simply say thank you today overwhelmed by what you have done for us. Totally aware of my shortcomings, failings, inadequacies. God, I never, never could have measured up to the standard that you have. And yet, Jesus, even before the foundation of the world, you were willing to lay down your life for us. Father, I pray for Restoration Church as we step out of this physical property and into a new part of our future. We want to be a church that continues to add to our faith goodness and continues to add to our goodness knowledge and continues to add to our knowledge self-control and continues to add to our self-control perseverance, continues to add to our perseverance godliness, continues to add to our godliness mutual affection, and continues to add to our mutual affection love. We want these increasing in our lives day and day. We want to know who we are as sons and daughters. And we want to live as sons and daughters in our calling. Knowing that you have put your spirit, your divine nature in us. God, so that we can know who we are and we can live like it. We can bring the kingdom everywhere we go. We can bring healing. We can bring deliverance. We can bring breakthrough. God, we can bring whatever is needed in that situation. We can bring peace. Peace. <laughs> God, so many of our workplaces just need peace. And we can bring that. We can change the atmosphere of our homes. We can change the atmosphere of our schools. But not if we give in to apathy. Not if we give in to laziness. Not if we give in to to selfishness. Only if we pursue our calling, our election. And so give us grace, Holy Spirit, to live in that identity and to live in it practically in our lives every single day. Father, thank you for the history. 
of this body. And thank you that you've already written the future of this body. And God, even though we don't know the full story, we know that you are with us. And that you're going before us. And that you're going to come behind us. And you're going to be on the side of us. And God, you're going to direct us. Give us grace to cry out to you. God, when we're tempted to complain and grumble, give us grace to cry out to you, to encounter you in a fresh way. Father, I pray for the first Corinth Baptist Church. God, I just pray blessing over them. God, thank you for the opportunity to serve a people who have needed a place to call home. God, a people that have been persecuted and mistreated who have been spoken against in so many ways. And God, I just pray blessing. I pray for this building. God, that they would be able to fill it. God, that the kingdom would increase. God, that this building would not be big enough to hold the things that you put in their hearts and the things that you do in their lives. God, give them grace. Bless them financially. God, to be able to to grow and to prosper in every way. God, give them grace to learn how to run the heating systems and the the things in this building. God, I pray blessing over every part of this building that things that are breaking would just be restored. God, that, that when we look at this building one day, God, we look with pride at what they're able to do with it, that we never look back, God, wishing for something else, but God, that we bless them. And so we bless them in every way today. Holy Spirit, Quiet our hearts today, our anxious hearts, our worried hearts, even maybe our sorrow-filled hearts. Mend, restore, heal in every way, I pray today. And over Restoration Church, God, as the lead pastor of this church, I pray your blessing. Bless them and keep them. Would you cause your face to shine on them? Would you lift up your countenance upon them and give them peace? Above all, be gracious to them. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us today. We've opened up every part of the building to you. And uh, we encourage you, if you want to walk through, we invite you to do that. I do ask 